1: in uh, Genesis chapter 20. And so if you find that place, Genesis 20, and then I'll, we'll pray. Father, thank you so much for the book of life. That's what this is, Lord. It's a book of life because you are the God of life. And so, Lord, we, we pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts now as we read in your book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 20. And Abraham journeyed thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou takest, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou... "'Slay also a righteous nation. "'Setting not unto me, she is my sister. "'And she, even she herself said, "'He is my brother in the integrity of my heart "'and innocency of my hands have I done this.' "'And God said unto him in a dream, "'Yea, I know that thou didst this "'in the integrity of thy heart, "'for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. "'Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. "'Now therefore, restore the man his wife.' for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, and called all his servants, and told all these things in their ears. And the men were sore afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham, and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me, and on my kingdom? a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. And yet, indeed, she is my sister. She's a daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, This is thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me at every place where that we shall come. Say of me, he is my brother. Now, we'll stop there. So here we are. We're traveling through this book with the life of Abraham. It's a great travel. It's been a wonderful journey because what we've seen is that God has opened up to us here this journey where we can see through the Bible, It's only the Bible can show us this, the two sides of Abraham. Abraham, as we've been studying so far, he's a very human person. He's very human. He's a person we can identify you know, he doesn't look like a pontiff type person, you know, and you'd be very He looks very real. He's very touchable. He's got downfalls. We're reading about one right now. He's got shortcomings. We're reading about that now. But Abraham was, he's got one thing that is sterling about him. And when we see that in Abraham, it's something that just makes it say, now that's the man I want for my father. I want to call Abraham my father. And that quality we saw already in the Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where it said, And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord. That's the part about Abraham that we really, really want for, to be for ourselves. He believed in the Lord. He knew the Lord. He had a grip on God. Abraham had a grip on the Lord. He knew the Lord, and he had a grip on him. You know, that thought, you know, that Abraham had a grip on the Lord, that's what makes Israel Israel. That's where Israel got her name, or the name of Israel. It was in Genesis 32. We're going to come to it when what happens, you remember, is that Jacob, not yet Israel, but Jacob in his, all of his Jacobness. Is, is wrestling with God, and he's got a hold on him, and he won't let him go, and then in Genesis 32, 26, we read, and he said, and God said, let me go, for the day breaketh, and he said, this is, a, this is Jacob now speaking, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. See that scene? Jacob has got a hold on God, he's got a grip on God, and God is saying to him, let me go, let me go, And Jacob is saying, I won't let you go. I won't let you go. He's got a tight grip on him. And and unless you bless me, see. And then it says in verse 27 that the whole transition happened. The change of name occurred from that point. He said unto him, what is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou Power with God and with men and has prevailed. Now you might say, why did he have power with God? What gave Jacob power with God? It was the grip. It was the grip that he had on him. It was the fact that he said, I won't let you go. See, these those verses tell us in Genesis 32 what or who Israel really is. Israel is, from Genesis 32, 26, the party that says, I won't let you go. That's Israel then he says in verse 26 he says i will not let thee go and then in verse 28 he says then your name will be called israel because you won't let me go i won't let you go i have a grip on you i'm clinging to you okay then you're israel and what made jacob israel it was the grip it was the jacob grip it was his grip and what made jacob to become israel not the circumcision it was not the circumcision at this point but it was the grip abraham they had this grip and it's just all about the grip. It's all about the grip. And so that's why it says in Romans 9:6, when Paul's explaining this, he's saying, not as though the word of God had taken that effect. For then he says, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. In other words, not all the Jewish people have the grip. He's saying, there, he says they're not all Israel, which are from Israel. Not everyone who is Jewish is Israel because in John 1, you remember in John 1, 11 through 12, it makes this great divide, this great distinction within the Jewish people, which are really symbolic of all people, but this great distinction where it says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So why, what does that mean? They didn't have the grip. They didn't have the Jacob grip. They didn't grip on God, his own received him not. They just said, nah, he's, well, no, I don't want him. But It says in the next part is is the other part of the Jewish people, the other part of Israel, the other part of the world for that matter, where it says, but as many, or we really could say as few, but it says as many, but as many as received him, as gripped him, as held him, as said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. To them gave he the power. That's Israel, as a prince hast thou power with God. Gave he the power to become the sons of God, a prince with God. What's a son? What's a son of God? A son of God is a prince. So he has a uh, name called Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God, even to them that believe on his name. That's what, when God was calling out to Israel, he said in Hosea 11:1, he said, when Israel was a child, then I loved him. And called my son out of Egypt. See, that's what God does. He sees, he sees, he saw the Jewish people when they were in the affliction in, in Egypt. He felt, it says he heard their groanings, and then he loved, and then he called. That's God. And he looks, he sees, he sees every person, he feels the pain of every person. He loves every person. He calls every person, and then he looks for the grip. He looks for the grip. A woman with an issue of blood, she came behind him in Matthew 9, 20 through 21. It says, behold, a woman which I was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him, she says she touched the hem of his garment. But you can picture just she would just as soon could have grabbed him, you know. She, she, she touched but she grabbed she say, I can't grab, I'll touch, you know. But anyway, before she said within herself, if I can but touch his garment, I'll be whole. She pressed through the crowd. She didn't care. She pressed through the crowd, and she just said, if I can just touch, but she would have grabbed him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he turns around, and he says, I felt that, I felt that. He's right, he, he says, who touched me? In other words, he says, I felt that grip. I felt that grip, that Jacob's grip. I know that grip. I remember that grip. I felt that grip when Jacob gripped me in uh, Genesis 32. I know it. It's the grip. It was the woman. It was the grip. And so he says, well, what did you do? And she came forward and told a Gentile woman who was a Canaanite. She had the grip in Matthew 15, 22, 28. It says, behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried unto him saying, have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. This is a woman of Canaan. This is a Gentile. This is a goy in all her goyness. <laughs> okay, she's the, uh, she's the quintessential goy. <laughs> and she comes there and she cries. And what's, what's she saying? She's saying, have mercy on me, O Lord. She's calling him God. Son of David. She's not part of David. She's a woman of Canaan, but she's calling him that. She says, listen, my my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answers not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cried. She's got the grip, and the disciples are trying to loosen her grip. They're trying to break her grip. They're saying, let go of them. Send her away. But he answered, and he says, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's that? He's trying to loosen her grip. He's saying, let me go. The day breaketh, just like he said to Jacob. He remembers it. The woman there, she's got the grip, and he's trying to get out of the grip. But then it says, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help. Lord, help me. But he answered, and he said, it's not meat. It's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. So there. He said, oh, it's going you know, to let go of me. You know, let me go. The day breaketh. See, let the grip go. But she, no, not this woman. She's not going to let him go. She just comes right on with her fast comeback when she says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said it to this woman, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know what he was doing there? He was saying, Woman, what's your name? You know? He says, Your name's no more whatever her name was. Your name's now Israel. You're in prince of God. You've got power because of your grip. Your grip. So the Lord Jesus Christ at that point, he said, he could have said to himself, I remember that grip. I felt it in Genesis 32. That's the grip. And so you're Israel too. And the centurion also, Roman centurion, he comes in Luke 6 through 9. He's got the grip. Jesus went forth with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I'm not worthy if thou should come under my roof. He's got the grip. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, my servant shall be healed. I also a man said under authority, have under me soldiers. I say unto this one, go, he goeth, to another. Come, he cometh, my servant. Do this, he doeth it. When Jesus heard this, there are these things. He marveled at him. He marveled at him. He turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found such faith. No, not in Israel. What was he saying? He was saying, he's got the grip. He's got the Jacob grip. I remember it. He's got that grip. I haven't found that grip here. Nobody has grabbed a hold of me like this man has. And so he's in essence inviting people to do this. You know, Jacob, we see him there in Genesis 32, and he says, What's the goal? We look at it, we say, What chutzpah? Jacob's got what gall? You know, to grab a hold of God, say, I'm not going to let you go. And God says, I reward you. I'll give you a new name. I give you a new position. Uh, Israel, I'll give you a new name, position, prince. I give you a new power, power with God. I give that to you because he had the grip. And same with this. And he's looking for the grip. And he was looking for the grip when he was here. He's looking for the grip today. And when, he, when the centurion grabbed a hold of him, then he says to the centurion, "Whoa! I've found something like, never have found a grip like that. Not in Israel. The grip that Abraham had on God was based on his knowledge of God, because this was his foundation. Abraham knew God. See, he believed in the Lord. It means he gripped the Lord. He knew the Lord. And that knowing who he is was the message, if you wanted to say, what was the most important thing? David, we interviewed King David. King David, what was the most important message that you gave to your son Solomon? And you know what David would say? He would say, without a doubt, 1 Chronicles 28, 9, when he says, and thou, Solomon, my son, know thou, know you. Know you, the God of thy father. If you know him, then the next part follows. And serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, understands all the imaginations of the thought. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. If thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off. What David was saying to King Solomon, his son, was that the issue is know who he is. Know him. Know him. And Solomon knew that. And he knew that when his father, King David, had said that to him, he knew that what had happened is that King David had taken Solomon into this very close confidence, and he told Solomon this. And then Solomon turns around, having heard this in Proverbs 4.3, and he said, "I, For I was my father's son. That's the father's son. Why? Because the father opens up his heart and gives him the treasure of his life. He passes on to him the secret that he'll need. Know thou the Lord. He said, I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Now, that's exactly who we want to be. We want to be like that. There are two things that we envision for our lives. When we look at our lives as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be, number one, sons of God, and we want to be, number two, children of God. And they're different. Sons of God and children of God. Why? You see this difference in Romans 8, 14 through 16, where it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For if you have not the spirit of bondage to fear, for you have received the spirit of adoption, you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. See the two things. Sons led, children cry Abba. Okay. Sons of God led. They receive instruction from the word of God, and they follow God. Then there is the tender love, the, t- the tender and only beloved side of the relationship. And then the child cries, Abba, which is daddy. Right? Whenever I think of that word Abba, I can't help but think of my, my Hebrew uh, primer book, you know, learning Hebrew. You <laughs> this book, you know, and you go, you know, Aleph, Bed, Gimel, you know, you go through the al- alphabet, and then they give you these simple phrases for children, you know, so the pictures are all of children and everything's with children, and and he came to this one where he's trying to uh, teach you what Abba means, and what Bo means, Bo means come, and so you see this, this little picture, and, and it's of a little boy, and he sees his father coming home, and the boy cries out, you know, uh, uh, ababo you know father comes you know and say so, that, that's the daddy comes and so then the teacher says to me you know okay now you say it and and if and if you said you know you look at this picture a little kid is so excited his father's coming home he's going ababo and so the teacher says now say it, and if you sit there and he, which i did you <laughs> said i read that and you go ababo <laughs> she said she she, she says what's the matter with you? <laughs> she says, what's the matter with you? She says, is that the way the picture is? You think a little kid says, Abba Bo. You know, the kids go, Abba Bo, you know. He's so excited. He's go. Like, Abba Bo. And he says, Father comes. Father's coming home. Father's home. Oh, excitement. That's the meaning and the picture behind the term Abba. And so we ask, that's a challenge to us. When we say that, I say, can each of us really say that? When we open up our Bibles, you open up our Bibles in the morning. We say, Abba Bo. And we say, can we say, Father's coming? Father's coming. He's going to speak to me now. We come to church. We're here, we're here in church. We're singing, praying, listening. No, nope, we're listening. Teaching, preaching. Can we, and we get a sense of, of God's presence. Can we say with excitement, that little boy, Abba Bo. God's coming. Father's coming. Abraham believed in the person of the Lord. He trusted in him. He believed in the character of of the Lord. He knew the character of the Lord. We've already seen that in Genesis chapter 18, when he just said, I know your character, that be far from thee, Genesis 18, 25, for thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. No, he says, that the righteous be as the wicked, far from thee. You know, what would Paul say? God forbid, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He knew the character of the Lord. Abraham trusted the Lord. And so we've been following Abraham. We've been seeing a man who's been going on this journey, and it's painful for us. We're sitting in the grandstands. We're watching Abraham and as we've been saying this, and we want to yell down sometimes and say, no, no, don't do that. You know, we want to do that. But we, it's been painful. But we're, we're, we're not just really looking at a man from one side who is falling and stumbling all of his way through life because there's one message, and it's particularly emphasized if in no other place in this chapter of Genesis 20. And it's really the message of God to the rescue. That, that's the message. That's the great point. And, that, and that's what we're saying. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 3, in verse 3 in our chapter here, where it says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night. You know, it's just as if we're going along and, abraham does this he says this is my sister and sarah says this she says "This is my brother and then it's everything is headed this movie is going for a disaster this is not going to have a good ending this movie and then god steps in and he says stop the movie here comes god and we've seen this happen in the past and we see it especially here in this verse so from verse two we've seen abraham say again these horrible words she's my sister hard words for us to read and, and we want to jump in, like we said. But Abraham's statement, we see a man who has failed. We see a man who is ashamed over it. But in verse 3, the great part about Abraham is the, is the God side. Abraham's life with God. And God helped Abraham. So in verse 3, we can see God saying to Abraham, step aside, Abraham, and I will help you. That's the message. Abraham needed God's help. That's the message of the first two verses. And I hope that we are used to praying that one simple prayer: "Help me. Help me, Lord, Lord, help." That was in Psalm 12:1. "Help, Lord." Very simple. Matthew 15:25, when well, we already read this, then came she and worshipped him saying, "Lord, help me." Mark 9:24, straightway the father of the child cried out with tears. And he says, "Lord, I believe. Help." thou, mine unbelief. See, our confession, as we move through life, is we say, what is it about your life? Very simple. My life is summed up in Psalm 121-2. We say, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. That Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 124-8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What's that name? The Lord Jesus Christ. All things were made by him, John 1, 3. Without him was not anything made that was made. That name is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Great help we have from that name. One of the areas that you and I especially need help in is described for us in Romans 8, 26, where it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth, or helps, helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, what exactly does that mean? The area that we need much help in is in the area of prayer. Now, what exactly does that mean? The Greek word that's used there, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce because it's 17 letters, <laughs> but I'll just tell you it starts with an A and it ends with an I. You could go try to pronounce it. But what's interesting about this Greek word is that it is the fusion of two words, two Greek words, which mean together or with and hold of, which has the meaning of working together. It doesn't have the meaning of one person stops and steps aside and the other takes over and does it all. It means that both persons are working alongside of each other, together. Both have grabbed a hold, and both are pulling together, and that's the derivation of this word here when it says the the Spirit of God helpeth, that's the word, helpeth our infirmities. But this Greek word is so interesting because it's so rarely used in the Bible. As a matter of fact, this is the only place it's used in the Bible, and one other place. And that other place where this word is used opens for us just a beautiful picture of the meaning of this word. And you'll never guess where that word is used. You'll never guess it. You won't believe it, where it's used. And it's in Luke chapter 10. Let me just explain a little bit of the background of Luke chapter 10, this passage here. Here we have an all-of-a-sudden situation. All of a sudden, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming unannounced to the house of Lazarus. And his two sisters, Mary and Martha, are there. And there is this tremendous, unexpected crowd that's coming into the house. And hospitality just has to materialize immediately out of nowhere. Hey, Irene? <laughs> it has to just happen, you know. <laughs> and the pressure is great. And for all these people, we need food to eat and we need drinks to drink and we need towels for washing and we need chairs to sit on and there's just so many people that are coming unexpectedly and what are we ever going to do